From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home as always. Hello and welcome uh, to all of you listening in on our flagship station right here in Toronto, AM740 Zoomer Radio. And uh, to those of you around the world listening to the, lo- the live stream webcast on zoomerradio.ca and of course the podcast, I continue to get emails from around the world. Uh, and this always tickles me, uh, finding out how people are listening to the podcast. Um, uh, I never forget uh, receiving an, uh, an email from a gentleman who listened to the podcast while he was delivering uh, mail uh, in the outback on his moped. Uh, you know, just imagining, thinking of this gentleman, you know, driving around on a moped in the outback, delivering the mail, listening to the conspiracy show. Uh, and um, but the podcasts are amazing, and it just it gets out there. It's like a spider web. Uh, it just grows and grows and grows. Anyway, for those listening on the podcast, welcome. And, of course, a special hello to all of you listening in on um, one of our affiliates in the U.S., such as KVOKAM in Anchorage, uh, KLVT in Lubbock, Texas, WCRA in, in Springfield, Illinois, just to mention a few. And uh, we've recently introduced a new way to listen and watch The Conspiracy Show, something I've only recently learned about. It's called an HOA, or Hangout on Air. And essentially... Uh, you can listen and watch the show stream live on YouTube. And if you want to watch, all you have to do is go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and you find the tweet, it's right at the top of my feed, that says live stream HOA. Again, HOA, H-O-A means hangout on air. And then you just click on the link and voila, uh, you can join me in studio. And from time to time, this is in the early stages of developing uh, this, from time to time, my guests will also join us uh, on our Hangout uh, via their webcam and so forth. And we've got uh, a slideshow that, that, uh, that uh, is constantly playing as well, so you can see we can add pictures and, and video and, and, and many different uh, elements. So uh, if you're watching the live stream on YouTube, let us know what you think. And, uh, or just say hi. Drop us an email at theconspiracyshow1, the numeral 1, theconspiracyshow1, at gmail.com. Uh, very quickly, just a few more housekeeping uh, details here. I want to, I, I want to acknowledge um, a gentleman who sent me this. It's uh, Bill Cramp uh, from in uh, Victoria, B.C. And Bill, uh, back in October, we did a program on alien abductions. And um, uh, Bill, shortly after that, heard the show and responded, and he sent... A, um, it was about a hundred pages. Uh, it was a letter and, and all sorts of background and details and excerpts from uh, Dr. John Mack uh, of Harvard University fame and uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée of Stanford University, of course, and uh, uh, Mack's book *Human Encounters with Aliens* and so forth. And I didn't get a chance to respond uh, to Bill um, because I um, he just he, he sent it using the old uh, snail mail. And uh, I didn't uh, have an email address for Bill. Anyway, I just want to acknowledge Bill. I did get that. Thank you to Bill, uh, Bill, Clamp, uh, Bill Cramp in Victoria. Uh, I, I did receive the letter, Bill, and I appreciate it. And there was a lot of interesting material there to wade through. It's, in fact, it's still sitting on my, uh, on my desk in my office. I haven't looked at all of it. But uh, I did get the letter. I do appreciate all of your mail. Thank you. Um, also, I want to mention something that's uh, in the early stages, but if you missed my Follow the Truth conference back in November in Oshawa at the Regent Theatre, we had a tremendous turnout, uh, considering it was a snowy, stormy Sunday. We're in the early stages of putting together another Follow the Truth conference. Sometime in the spring is what we're aiming for. I just want to plant the seed early. 
There will be another Follow the Truth conference. More details will be forthcoming. We have had such an amazing response from that. We're getting emails from uh, uh, promoters and people in, in Texas, inquiries from Australia. I mentioned the outbreak earlier. Even Croatia, of all places. They want us to take Follow the Truth on the road. So we're working on it. Uh, and I mentioned uh, November. We had that snow uh, snowstorm. I think it was the first of the year. It was around that time. Um, we the, the first snowfall, and uh, the twins and I went outside. That's just uh, something that uh, kids are attracted to. The first snowfall, they got to get outside. They got to be out there, you know, experience it. They want to be in the midst of it. So we were examining the snowflakes, and and if you're a parent, you can relate. You know, the wonderment of children when they when they look at a snowflake, uh, an individual snowflake, and of course they noticed uh, the the amazing. Architecture, I guess I would I would describe it. The, the amazing architecture of each individual snowflake, and they both said, "I'll never forget this." They said it almost simultaneously. These look like they were built, and uh, yes, behold the wonderfully patterned beauty of creation. Uh, and it's true, there are many things in nature, not only uh, snowflakes, but pine cones and flower petals and uh, all sorts of crystals. Um, uh, you know, even even out in space, the stars that we spin around, the galaxies that we spiral within, the air we breathe, all life forms as we know them seem to emerge out of these timeless geometric designs. They're architects, or archetypes rather. And uh, these archetypes have been incorporated or encoded into many uh, many prehistoric monuments, Stonehenge, for example, the pyramids. Uh, at Giza, uh, even many of the, the world's great cathedrals and mosques and temples are based on these same principles of sacred geometry. So getting back to the snowflake, North and Zach were saying, you should do a show about snowflakes and, and who built them, which I thought was adorable. But I thought, well, m- maybe I could do a show about sacred geometry. So I put Albert, my story producer, on the case. And what follows uh, for the next 44 minutes, give or take, is the fruit of his efforts, because Albert went out and he found precisely the right person to talk about sacred geometry. Scott Onstott is the creator of the epic documentary film called Secrets in Plain Sight, a densely packed series about esoteric patterns found in art, architecture, urban design, and the cosmos. Volume 1 alone runs 3 hours and 43 minutes, and actually it's, it's free to watch online, as well as being a prominent architect and engineer, Scott connects the dots between mysterious glyphs, the numbers in, in, in themselves, math and numerology, numbers in space, sacred geometry and architecture, numbers in time, musical principles, number in space and time, astronomy and astrologer, astrology, and secrets in plain sight reveals the profound ancient knowledge inherited from Egypt, which has been encoded in units of measurement in famous works of art, in the design of major buildings, in the layout of city streets and public spaces, and in the precise placement of obelisks and other important monuments upon the earth, where the viewer is led to perceive an elegant, harmonic system linking the human body with the architectural, urban, planetary, solar, and galactic scale. Scott Onstott, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm well, thank you for having me on. When we talk, I mentioned sacred geometry. Let's start with geometry. Where did, oh, we often ascribe geometry to the ancient Greeks, but it, it goes way back, further than that. How far back? Well, I, uh, Plato said geometry came before the creation. And if you really take sacred geometry seriously, you start to wonder if, if that isn't true. Um, 
geometry seems to be underlying everything in the universe. You know, atoms are very geometric if you want to be a materialist about uh, everything. But, um, yeah, I just see geometry um, all over the earth in alignments between sacred sites. Um, obviously, individual buildings are usually geometric, and sometimes they contain really interesting numbers and information. Um, geometry is one of the um, ways into the great mystery. Um, it's one of the, the four subjects in the, in the quadrivium which I think you kind of touched on in the introduction. Right, right. Yeah. And, and and it all starts with the sphere, doesn't it? I mean, can't you, all geometric forms, don't they come from the sphere? The sphere? Well, you could construct everything from a sphere um, if you start as a single point of awareness and imagine that you are in a void and you go a certain distance, whatever that distance is, you can decide um, and stop and then uh, you have now two points in your universe. Um, if you go back to the center um, and keep surveying points, you, you end up describing a sphere, because a sphere is all points equidistant from a center. And so from that sphere, you can then go back to the surface of the sphere and do it again. And you end up creating two intersecting spheres, and in two dimensions that would be called the Vesica Pisces, or Vesica Piscis as it's sometimes pronounced. And from this shape, um, geometry seems to explode. It's, it's been referred to as the womb of creation. Um, you know, within that, you have all the important um, ratios and musical harmony can be derived from that shape. You mentioned the ratio, the, uh, a term that I've heard, uh, the golden ratio, which is found... Uh, everywhere, apparently, found in nature, for example, even the way that the human face, the, the ratios of the human face. Uh, That's right. Is... All of our bones in our fingers and our most uh, body plans are based on the golden section. Yeah, what, it, let's delve into that a little bit. What do we mean by the golden ratio or the golden section? Well, if, if you take any line and divide it at a single point, uh, it's about 61% of the way along the line, that ends up dividing the line so that the, the smaller part is to the larger as the larger is to the whole. And this is a special kind of magic ratio that architects and artists have known about for centuries. And it has some really interesting properties mathematically, and we see it um, expressed in the body plans of lots of, of creatures. Uh, and it's in every um, pentagon or pentagram shape. All of the, the different aspects of that shape are related to to itself using the golden number or golden ratio. And the fact that these uh, ratios, that this sacred geometry that exists in nature, uh, finds its way into architecture, art, music. I mean, what is what's the takeaway? What is the significance of that? It, it, I mean, one could say, okay, so so man is attempting to to mimic nature. But there's more to it than that, I'm guessing. Well, it's, it's sort of like the universal language, um, that is, geometry or math or number. Um, you don't have like a German math and a Chinese math. You have only math, and everybody learns the same thing. And so in that way, and the same thing is true of geometry. So in that way, it's like the true universal language. And it, it's sort of underneath everything. Um, it's sort of how the, how the universe is built. So it's, um, it's like a part of the matrix, if you will, 
I was going to use the word matrix. This, uh, right. This universe simulation. I, uh, I, I mentioned my Follow the Truth conference. Uh, I had a gentleman on the uh, speaking on the conference named John Elvidge, uh, who's written a book called The Universe Solved. I don't know if you're familiar with, with John's work, Scott, but he talks about... I mean, this is a whole school of thought that people subscribe to, not just uh, John, but uh, the idea that we are living in a digital uh, simulation. We are living in a matrix. Maybe I can get your, your thoughts on that when we come back. But we'll uh, delve further into sacred geometry with Scott Onstott, creator of the epic documentary film Secrets in Plain Sight right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. We are talking sacred geometry with Scott Onstott. And uh, I just mentioned uh, uh, Jim Elvidge uh, before the break, Scott, the idea we're living in a, a digital simulation. Uh, you mentioned the Matrix, and he talks about, you know, we are living in a, ma- in a Matrix or potentially living in a Matrix. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we're living in a digital simulation. Well, I, I'm sympathetic to the general idea that we're living in a kind of Matrix because in my research I, I uncover sort of an uncanny order to the universe, um, and I see it at all different scales. But my conclusion is different. I, I don't think that we're living in a digital simulation. I think that the whole universe is a work of imagination, and, and there's only one awareness. And, um, you know, traditionally you'd, people would call that God, but uh, you can just call it awareness and make it kind of a um, an object. But awareness is never an object. It's the very awareness that you have right now that you are listening to me uh, talk with. And so this awareness imagines a whole universe, and it also imagines humans on a certain planet. And we are those fictional characters um, who take on lives of our own. And that's not to diminish the the felt experiences that we have, because they're very poignant and very real. But um, this is just another way of looking at reality, um, that, that it's a work of imagination, so the consciousness creates matter. Yes, consciousness is fundamental. So matter um, is in consciousness, rather than the other way around. You know, right, the right. prevailing scientific viewpoint is that consciousness is almost this trivial thing that happens just on the surface of our brains. Um, you know, it emerges from this wetware that we have, and it's sort of the last thing to evolve at the last second. But what I'm proposing is very opposite view that. There's really only consciousness, and matter is an illusion. And, you know, we have some evidence of that when we look, when uh, quantum physicists look very deeply into matter. They say the atom is 99.999. In fact, there's 13 nines after the decimal point. So 99.999 dot, 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 percent, nothing. And so there's really nothing there. There's no thing. Right. Right. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very illusory. Um, now, the the incorporation of sacred geometry uh, that that um, that we perceive in in nature and and adapting this for use in let's say you know the construction of uh, edifices like the pyramids. Uh, and I'm guessing you know these were the, these were the stonemasons that, that 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 did this. Why did they do it? I mean, was there some some power? Um, Generated by incorporating sacred geometry into the into the pyramids. Well, seeing that that's how the whole matrix or the the whole universe is imagined and how how it works, 
um, if you have that understanding, I think it's really tempting to encode that information in structures. And, uh, you know, the, there's a great question of whether the ancient Egyptians were the ones who encoded that, or if they were influenced by the gods or by aliens uh, who actually knew the information and just told them to build it this way, and they, and they did that. So I don't, I don't propose to have an answer to that uh, question. Right. I guess it's not. Maybe it's not so important who did it, but uh, but why? I mean, we ascribe uh, you know uh, s- uh, certain attributes to pyramids. You know, we, pyra- we think of pyramid power and the healing power uh, of, of of pyramids. Uh, uh, some some propose that the pyramids were actually energy sources. Uh, you know, giant capacitors or, or batteries. Uh, does this have anything to do with the, the sacred geometry? All of those qualities come out of the pyramid, and the pyramid is kind of a special case. And they, they, everything emerges from that, from geometry. But what I'm looking at is sort of a different layer of information. I'm not looking at the practical side of how the Great Pyramid may have, may have been used as an ascension chamber or a building that makes power. Um, but I'm just analyzing the cross-section of the pyramid and noting that if you inscribe an equilateral triangle inside of it, the edge length is 555.5 feet which happens to equal 6,666 inches. And that just so happens to also be the height of the Washington Monument and the length of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And so I just, I'm pointing out this pattern, and I don't, I'm not saying that there's a practical use for it other than changing your your perspective or giving you a, a new perspective on some of the same old things. Right, and and uh, is there any takeaway uh, in terms of uh, you know we talk about the uh, uh, the mark of the beast or the mark of the, the mark of man the six 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 and that that ratio that you just mentioned? Um, I wouldn't. I don't subscribe to the the mark of the beast theory uh, myself, but I find that all um, repetitive digits are are keys, um, and in a way, I think that's some evidence that the simulation that we're in or the way that we've imagined it. It is following the decimal system, in fact, and that's just not an anthropomorphic choice that we made when, because we have ten fingers, but it's actually a very deep structure, and uh, you know, and I find that uh, this is uh, prevalent throughout throughout the system. Uh, can you give me some examples? Let's say some more, uh, not more modern necessarily, but when we're, I guess it's relative. We're talking about the pyramids. Let's talk about some of the great cathedrals of, of Europe, for example. Do we still see these these ratios extant in in uh, let's say, for example, St. Paul's Cathedral or the Vatican, etc.? Yeah, I mentioned uh, St. Paul's Cathedral having that length, which is tied with the Great Pyramid. Um, I did an analysis of Chartres Cathedral in Secrets in Plain Sight, Volume 1, and it shows how it's related to the Tree of Life and to musical octaves. Um, I've, in my work, I, I look at a lot of um, distances between sacred sites, and I find that those often encode repetitive di- digits. Um, for example, the, um, the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in Spain is the end goal of the um, the Way of Saint James? It's the it's also known as the Camino. It's a traditional pilgrimage right. that hundreds of thousands of people go on these days. And that um, the very center of that cathedral uh, has a 
a point called the Rond point, and that is exactly 666.66 miles from the center of the round fountain in the Tuileries Gardens in Paris. Amazing. That's not a, that's not an accident. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. And, no. And that round fountain is sort of an origin point of a whole lot of other interesting things as well. Such as? Well, um, you can also draw a line from the round fountain to um, this peak in southern France called Bougarac Peak. It overlooks Rennes-le-Chateau. Ah. And that's a New Age pilgrimage site. Since the 1960s, people have been going there. Right. And these, each stop uh, along this pilgrimage, these supposedly correspond to the various chakras, right? I believe so. Right. And um, so the distance there is 666.66 kilometers. Mm. And this is really interesting because here we have kilometers, and the thing to Spain, to Santiago de Compostela, was in miles. And this is one of the curious things about um, these distances that I find is they happen in different systems of units. But I've found that from you know looking deeper into the units, that this seems to work because each of these systems is based on the Earth. That is, they're derived from the size of the Earth in one way or another. And in that way, they have a resonance with the Earth. And the word geometry itself literally means Earth measure. And so in this way, it's a kind of sacred geometry that I'm revealing here with these distances. Right. Uh, I was talking earlier uh, about uh, uh, John Lennon in New York City, and, and uh, of course, one of his favorite haunts was Central Park. And there are a number of ob- uh, there's at least one uh, obelisk uh, in in Central Park. But you, I believe, we, uh, we've got it up on the slideshow, don't we, Albert? It's um, uh, it's a map of Central Park, and there's a connection between one of these obelisks and is it the the Jackie Kennedy Reservoir? Yeah. What's happening there? Well, actually, uh, before I tell you that, which is a fascinating part, let me just uh, mention one fact that um, comes out that connects the obelisk in Central Park from ancient Egypt. It's called Cleopatra's Needle. Yes. And the distance from there to Bougarac Peak in southern France. Now, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I think it's 3,033.3 nautical miles or something like that. Right, the repeating numbers. It's all threes, for sure. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so that's kind of amazing. But, um, oh, also, incidentally, the other pair to Cleopatra's Needle is in London, in central London, on the Victoria Embankment. And I measured the distance from there to where the obelisk used to be in Alexandria, Egypt. Right. And it's 3,333.33 kilometers. Oh, my Exactly. Has uh, anyone else previously uh, uh, pointed this out, uh, Scott, or, or, or are you the first one to actually connect these dots? Well, to the best of my knowledge, um, those two examples are things that I've found and, and I've never seen anywhere else. But uh, in my research, I um, come across things quite often, and I'm, I'm careful to give credit to people sure, sure. When, when I just, you know, am repeating what they've discovered. You mentioned the uh, the uh, the distance in nautical miles between uh, Cleopatra's Needle and um, this peak in France was was it three thousand three hundred and thirty three? Is is that the connection? Um, I mean, we're talking about you know arcane knowledge and so forth, and uh, we often attribute that to the uh, you know the Freemasons. We have of course the thirty third degree uh, Mason, 
which is sort of at the peak of that uh, that pyramid pyramidal organization. That's right. Is is there a connection there then? I'm guessing between the 33rd degree Mason and those repeating threes. Well, the, just the number 33, of course, is the repeating threes, and so it it, it fits into that system very nicely. And I, in fact, I find the Freemasons are often kind of connected to these to these um, alignments and distances, um, sometimes in uncanny ways. For example, um, I can think of a building in the International Peace Garden on the U.S.-Canada border that is shaped like the Freemasonic um, square and compass right. emblem. Right. And it actually is only visible from the air, looking down on it because the, the, the actual building has that floor plan. And that building is located at 100 degrees, 3 minutes, and 33.33 .33 seconds <laughs> west longitude. So it has all these threes in it. Someone was very precise but in then laying that. I found um, there's an alignment, a really long-distance alignment that connects four sites. So they're all on the same great circle. And the, that Freemason building in um, the International Peace Garden is um, on on that line. The western terminus of the line is the um, the Ziggurat building in Southern California at 33 degrees, 33 minutes, and 33 seconds north. Right. And so if you go from there, and then you, you stop at the International Peace Garden, and then you continue on all the way to France... It goes through this place called Sergi Pontoise, which is a really esoteric suburb of Paris, right. full of symbolism. And then the line terminates at the Round Fountain in the Tuileries Gardens. And where so, is the Tuileries Gardens? It's in central Paris. It's That's right in, in front Paris. of the Louvre. Why? All roads lead to Paris, apparently, or or certain parts of France. Does this have anything to do with I don't know the the uh, the Knights Templar or, or why why France? Well, France is a really um, Paris in particular is a very important city in in um, in history and in in esoteric circles. Um, in fact, uh, Graham Hancock and Robert Bavall wrote a book called Talisman, and they uh, they brought out the history of the word Paris and show that it's connected to the Faria Isis, which is the lighthouse of Alexandria. That's how it was called, and they think that Paris is actually a corruption of of the name of the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Oh, interesting. Robert Bouval is going to be on the program at the end of the month, so we'll, we can talk about that with him as well. But uh, um, and I, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. We were. I, I was asking you about this obelisk uh, in uh, Central Park, and uh, I believe it's there's some line connecting that with. It's around the Jackie Onassis uh, Reservoir there in Central Park as well. Yeah, if you look in um, in Google Earth or some in any satellite imagery of Central Park, you'll see that it has that reservoir, and there's an underwater structure that's in a straight line that kind of crosses uh, the whole reservoir, and it points right at the Met. In particular, it points um, right at this particular room, which contains the Temple of Dendur, which is an ancient Egyptian temple that was relocated there. Um, in, in the 60s, when they built the Aswan Dam, they flooded the valley and they had to, to relocate it, so they put they put it there. The tomb is at the Met, at Lincoln Center in New York City. It's at the Metropolitan Museum oh, of Art. Oh, Metropolitan Museum, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's funny, but um, Jackie lived right, grew up right 
next to that, and um, they, the reservoir is called the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Reservoir, and the line, you know, points to the Temple of Dendor, which she ceremonially received for the United States from the country of Egypt. Wow. I mean, these things, they can't be planned this way, or can they? No, I think um, this is conspiracy from a higher level. You know, the, the, a lot of the examples that I'm telling you right, about, right. like, let's just go rewind a bit to Cleopatra's Needles and, you know, th- take the one in London, for example, that, right, right. you know, how could that be? I mean, it, I could I could see that there could be a conspiracy to locate a uh, monument within a city, but how is it that London just happens to be in the right location to make that happen? Exactly. Right. So bizarre. And it, it reminds me of another one like that. Um, let, let's get you, get, get you to hold on to that, Scott. Okay. We're coming up on a break. When we come back, uh, we'll continue to delve into uh, sacred geometry and, uh, and numbers and music and art and architecture. This is fascinating. I'm enjoying this immensely. Scott Onstott with us, the creator of the epic documentary film called Secrets in Plain Sights. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Scott Onstott stays with us, architect, engineer, artist, trainer. Uh, and we're talking about sacred geometry. And I was asking, you know, when you talk about the distances between, let's say, an obelisk in, in uh, Central Park and its twin in London and the coincidence surrounding these numbers, how it can't be a coincidence, and you describe it as a conspiracy from above. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't have an explanation for it because I don't know the answer, but I, I find all of these clues, and I leave it up to you to fill in your own metaphysics or spirituality as you see fit. But I can present the patterns to you. But I think you, you probably agree that it's hard to imagine that it would be just a human conspiracy behind it all. There are some things that are just too hard to imagine wrapping your mind around that. Right. Like, for example, uh, we were talking before about um, Cleopatra's Needle um, in London and, and comparing it with where it used to be in Alexandria. And that was uh, 3333.33 kilometers. Well, another one is um, the Ishtar Gates. There's an Ishtar, there was an originally an Ishtar Gate in Babylon, and it was moved to Berlin in the early 20th century. And later, Saddam Hussein built a replica in the original location in Babylon. And the distance between them is 3,333 kilometers. Wow. Now, <laughs> that's just too much to believe that, that there's a conspiracy, because Berlin was obviously there for a very long time. Right, right. And they couldn't just happen to put it there because it, um, I mean, what are the chances of a capital city city being in the right location? It, it seems pretty slim to me. I was discussing again uh, John Lennon earlier with a guest and talking about all the nines uh, surrounding Lennon. I don't know if you know anything about uh, John Lennon and, um, you know, born on October the 9th, uh, you know, the um, so many of their um, albums released on, you know, September 9th, their back catalog, September 9th, 2009, uh, Revolution Number no. 9, Dream Number no. 9, Number 9, all his songs with the number 9 in it. And uh, when you add it up, you know, okay, so maybe four or five of them are coincidences, but when you start to see it's, you know, it's dozens and dozens and dozens, uh, can't be a coincidence. So this is an example of, I guess, the uh, um, 
I don't know. It's just it's the, this matrix of numbers, which is the backbone of of the universe, just being revealed to us. I suppose. Yeah, and have you heard of the Enneagram of Personality? It's a a system used to you know analyze a personality based on nine numbers. Ah, no, I'm not familiar with that. And John Lennon probably was a nine. Must have been. <laughs> Must have been. The Peacemaker, it's called. Ah, okay, interesting. Now, speaking of numbers, uh, not to jump around here too much, but now what we're while we're on the, the, the subject of numbers, why is it numbers seem to follow uh, us around? How many, uh, for me, for example, I used to work uh, at a radio station up the road, uh, um, 1010 on the AM frequency, uh, 1010. Now, my... Um, so my wife and I both met while working at 1010, and both our children uh, were born October, which is the 10th month. Uh, they were born on the 10th day. They're twins. They were born, well, one of them was born at 10 after 10. And how, I can't tell you how many times I look at a clock and I see 1010 flashing. Well, I think one is figures very highly in your in your astrology or your makeup or however you like to talk about it for me it, it happens to be three i was i was born in laguna beach california which is at 33 degrees 30 minutes north <laughs> i actually learned to drive in um, the parking lot of that ziggurat building which is at 33 degrees 33 minutes 33 seconds the address of my high school is 33333 golden lantern oh my and uh it just goes on and on you know, it's bizarre. Well, that answers my next question, which is why you got started in this. I mean, it was it was the universe is screaming at you. Look into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't become aware of it until I was thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, of course not. not. <laughs> so, it, when you talk about thirty three, and we t- we mentioned the, the Masons, the thirty third degree Masons, uh, is this? I mean. I don't know if you can answer this, but we talk about this arcane knowledge that they have. Is this at the root of, 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 of their arcane knowledge when we talk about the stonemasons and how to, how to put buildings together and, and, and using the sacred geometry and so forth? Is that the well, secret knowledge that we believe they have? I think they're definitely custodians of, a, of an ancient mystery tradition along with many other societies. Um, they don't really have a, a monopoly on that information, but they've done a good job of, of preserving it. And I, I don't think that most Freemasons probably don't understand it, but um, that, it, that doesn't matter. It, it, you know, you can transmit uh, information through ritual and not understand what it means. And so um, it, it's sort of encoded in there. Scott Onstott stays with us as we discuss sacred geometry right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Scott Onstott stays with us, creator of the documentary film Secrets in Plain Sight, uh, which incidentally, I mean, wildly popular, and, and people can watch it uh, for free, but you made that movie for, like, next to nothing, for like a dollar or something. How did that happen? Yeah, it was only my time, and it took me a whole year. I took a year off of work and, and worked on that uh, very passionately. It took me... Uh, I think I worked harder on that than I've ever worked on any project, but it was a real labor of love. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm real proud of, of having made that. What do you want people to take away if, when they watch Secrets in Plain Sight? I mean, obviously, the, you know, there's, there's beauty, uh, there's, you know, beauty in all of this, in, in, in the, uh, you know, the synchronicities and the, uh, in the symmetry and the, 
you know, in nature, echoed in, in our buildings and so forth. But what, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is to look at the universe in a totally different way and, and to and to ask better questions, start asking more questions and kind of reevaluate your worldview. And it gives you a lot of opportunities to ponder things that, in different ways and to, to ask better questions, hopefully. Uh, the number 108, 108, figures uh, large in all of this. Um, uh, explain the significance of 108. 108 is, is one of a whole canon of number um, that are all doubles of each other. So um, 108, um, directly we can think of the, the radius of the moon is 1,080 miles. The um, atomic weight of silver is 108 grams per mole. Um, there's 108 stitches on a baseball, which is like that throwing, I can relate throwing to. the moon. <laughs> that I can relate you know? to, yes. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. A baseball is like a giant um, square encompasses um, emblem in the field. You're saying Abner Doubleday was a mason? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, speaking of uh, of 108 or 1008, often when we see a, uh, a, a watch, the old... Uh, style watch, not the digital watch, uh, but the way when they're being modeled, or if you see them on a TV commercial, you've got the uh, the hour hand. Um, usually, the hour hand will be pointed at the ten, and then the minute hand, almost as if it's framing, because you know the time X or whatever the name is up at the top there, underneath the, the, the where the twelve would be. So you've got the hour hand and the minute hand, sort of framing that in kind of a V shaped, and it's at like ten oh eight. If you just uh, Google, um, you know, watches and look at images, you'll see almost every watch is tuned to that time. In fact, even digital watches are are set at 10:08. Oh, is that right? That I hadn't noticed. Yeah, it's really quite interesting. Sometimes they'll be set at 10:09. But uh, what I found in my Volume Two film, I show how that's connected with the geometry of the Great Pyramid and squaring the circle. And how and, is it connected? Oh, well. Those hands are perpendicular to the faces of the Great Pyramid, um, at, you know, given the, the 51 degree, 51 second, or 51 degrees, 51 minute slope angle. It just arises from the geometry of the Great Pyramid that that would be the proper time to um, correlate with it. Now, I, it's hard to describe. If I showed you a picture, you'd get it right away. Right, right. As an architect and engineer, if 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 one doesn't incorporate uh, these numbers, these ratios into structures, bridges, and buildings, do we do so at our own peril? Is there any is there any downside to it? I mean, is, or is it even possible uh, to construct uh, edifices and, and, and so forth without incorporating these 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 numbers and ratios? No, I think probably most buildings aren't using these these numbers and ratios um, although if you look hard enough you might you might find certain things but um, I think when you encode these numbers in your building it it makes it work at a, at a different level or, or a, uh, a deeper level or a more more subtle level and I don't know what what practical benefit you really get Pr- uh, probably nothing but it, it certainly connects it with the, the larger picture. And um, I think once you become aware of the way that the universe kind of works with geometry and number, it would be really hard not to use that. I'm, I'm so tempted to encode that information in things. Right. You know, once you're, once you're aware of that, it's only natural for you to want to encode it. 
do buildings that incorporate these this geometry are they more beautiful in your mind? They are from a aesthetic point of view. Like when you appreciate mathematics, it's sort of like that. They're, they're more they're more beautiful because of that harmony. But I would say, by and large, most people aren't aware of that harmony at all, and so it's lost on them. And what, that's what kind of surprises me about a lot of the buildings that have these encodings is that nobody seems to publicize that fact. If I designed a, a building and, and I encoded 432 in it in, in so many different ways, which is related to 108 because it's 4 times 108, if I did that, I think I would write a book about it, make a coffee table book and show how cool that was. Sure, But sure. It, it's never done. And, and so it makes me wonder if, if the conspiracy isn't at a higher level and the the architects aren't even aware of it but but they might be influenced to subtly choose certain things without their awareness now that could be the case or they could be involved in a in a literal conspiracy where where there's a group of people that is planning this but but I still don't know what benefit they would be getting from that you know um, right right so what if your building has certain numbers encoded i mean really um well uh Numbers, as they let, let's uh, let's touch on music, for example. Numbers, as they relate to you know frequencies, uh, uh, you know musical notes or, or frequencies, can have the power to create or destroy. Uh, could there be something there? There could be. There, there could be some subtle art or science that certain people are aware of that the general public is sort of totally unaware of, and they may be reaping some type of esoteric benefit or actually literal benefit. Maybe it makes you feel better in the space or. Maybe it allows power to come flowing to you. I, d- I don't know. Well, speaking of music, um, I mean, are these ratios at work in in music? For example, was Beethoven, I don't know if he was a mason, wouldn't surprise me, uh, was he sort of cognizant of these ratios and was he somehow incorporating these into his musical scores? Well, I'm not an expert in music, but I do know about the 432 hertz tuning and I know that um, that's supposedly more harmonious to the ear and to the voice. And there's been a movement of opera singers to try to shift the concert tuning from 440 hertz to 432 hertz. And uh, 432 is 4 times 108. So it's part of what I call the cosmic sequence. And it ties in with so many interesting things in the universe at all different scales. Well, one of the, the uh, we just recently lost, I believe, is uh, this Japanese researcher, Imoto. Uh, talking about uh, you know the crystalline structure of water, and I've seen I've seen uh, microscope images of uh, the of water crystals under the influence of let's say for example heavy metal music as opposed to you know classical music, and it's it's quite startling. Well, I think we all kind of know that, but it's nice to see actual evidence of that, you know, in some in some more science, kind of science, scientific way of of taking photographs of the water. It's really cool. I agree. And uh, while we're talking about the crystalline water structure, I mean, our DNA is is filled with you know water crystals and so forth. Does this does this um, sacred geometry apply to like the double a double helix strand of DNA? Well, everything is geometry. I mean, Plato said all is geometry, and I really believe that. So yes, DNA is um, very geometric. If you look at it wound up. From looking down the, the the center axis, DNA is arranged in um, 
a circle divided into ten parts. And I think in three dimensions, it's like nested dodecahedrons. So it's, it's, it's all geometric. And so geometry and, and musical harmony really affects our physiology in ways that I don't think science has quite caught up to yet. So much to discuss, and, and we're running out of time here, but I did, I, I did want to touch on, uh, again, mentioning the Freemasons and, and their sort of preoccupation with uh, the Temple of Solomon and uh, sort of their stated purpose uh, to, you know, to reconstruct Solomon's temple wherever they can. Uh, yeah. Now, talk to me about their efforts, because I understand, for example, the, the provincial legislature in, in, um, in Alberta uh, is sort of designed to be a replica of Solomon's Temple. Uh, no, I don't think it's in Alberta. I no? think you're referring to uh, Winnipeg. Oh, Winnipeg. Um, oh, right, right. It's yes. in Man- Manitoba. Manitoba. Okay. And, um, yeah, this guy, Frank Albo, has done great research on, on the uh, Freemasonic connections with that particular structure, how it's at the center of North America, and it has all this Egyptian symbolism and so on. But let me let me give you an American example also. Um, in um, Grant Park, Chicago, there's a, um, a famous park there uh, right on the water that has in the center the Buckingham Fountain. And it's um, 6,666.6 kilometers from the Round Fountain in the Tuileries Garden of Paris. Yeah, and it has Paris. the same layout as that garden. And that happens to be the sacred geometry of Jerusalem. And it turns out that the round fountain represents the Holy of Holies in Solomon's Temple. And this park in Chicago is the terminus of Route 66, (laughs) historic Route 66 in the east. And that highway goes all the way to Santa Monica, California. And the end of the trail of Route 66 is 6,600 nautical miles to the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. So it's also connected on levels that are so mind-blowing that that happened across lots of time that it makes me think of conspiracy from a higher level or a deeper level of reality. It's unbelievable. Um, uh, One Canada Square right here in Toronto where I'm uh, sitting. Um, I believe there's a a Google Earth image of One Canada Square. Um, What's the, um, the significance there? What's going on there? Um, I didn't know there's a place in Toronto called One Canada Square. I need to look into that. But the photo I have is of One Canada Square in the city of London, England. Oh, oh okay. And um, that building was originally designed to be 864 feet high. And it actually was built slightly less because it was in the airport flight path. That's another story. Ah. And it turns out that building is 800. 8,641 kilometers from the Transamerica Pyramid in San Francisco, which is also 864 feet high if you count its pyramidion. So it's part of this canon of 864, which is 8 times 108. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. I could uh, I could sit and listen to this all night, Scott. Fascinating. Uh, very quickly, how can people watch uh, your wonderful documentary, my videos and books are all available at secretsinplainsight.com. Secretsinplainsight.com. Scott, I really enjoyed this. Thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks a lot. Scott Onstott. All right, my thanks to Albert Venzel, Tim Spreen, my technical producer, all of you listening at home, back next week with a brand new show. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.